Welcome to the NPX Innovation Chattelist Podcast, the podcast where we talk to innovative leaders in the nuclear industry and beyond. I'm your host, Margaret Macbeth, co-founder and innovation catalyst at NPX. And we're kicking off the first of a very special series of podcasts spotlighting nuclear families. Hello, and welcome to Innovation Chattelist. Today, we are podcasting from beautiful Office Neptune in downtown Kincardine, and we're kicking off the first of a very special series of podcasts spotlighting nuclear families. And by that, I mean families who have spent their lives and careers in the nuclear industry. We're joined today by very special guests. Uh, first of all, Niv Sabri Menon who is an innovation catalyst here at uh, NPX. And joining NIV are her mother, Usha Menon, who is a program manager of R&D at CanDo Owners Group, and her sister, Nam Menon, who is an engineer in training at Bruce Power. So welcome to the podcast. Um, I'm going to kick off this conversation uh, by asking you a bit of an out-of-the-box question. Obviously, you're all nuclear engineers, uh, but was curious beyond your uh, your obvious brilliance uh, in our field, what is a superpower or skill that we wouldn't find on your resume? Niv, I'll start with you. Sure. Uh, I think this is my superpower, but also my kryptonite. <laughs> so I can feel other people's emotions and that includes animals. I think I can, <laughs> uh, which comes in really handy when you're dealing with people in your like job. Uh, but it can also be overwhelming at times too. So For definitely sure. my superpower in kryptonite. Amazing. Well, I was going, she stole my words. I think that. <laughs> of course, mm-hmm. of course, she's my daughter. Uh, but I echo the same, and that's one thing which resonates is that uh, the people. Uh, I'm very good with people, and that's something which has helped me, you know, empathize and at work or even in my, you know, family with friends. So I think that's the one which I would go with. Amazing. Um, I would say I'm a good listener. I don't think I have that on my resume. So, just a giant ear. Yeah, I, I think I can pay attention pretty well and um, listen to people's rants and venting and ideas too, if if that's what they're talking about. Yeah, amazing. So it's a family of engineers and empaths. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, awesome. actually. So um, maybe we can start off. I'm really curious to dig in a little bit about what each of you do, though, in terms of your career, um, because we have uh, Nam, you're working for Bruce Power, the utility itself, Usha for the uh, owner's representative group, um, which is a really interesting organization, and then Niv, obviously, for our team at NPX. So maybe, Nam, start with you. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about your role at Bruce Power? Sure. So uh, I started this June at Bruce Power. Um, I'm an engineering trainee. Um, I started out as a component engineer, so um, I was dealing with heat exchangers, uh, and now I'm kind of transitioning into the system role. So um, I'm, in, I'm in the station every day and basically you're doing a lot of performance monitoring about what's going on. Uh, I deal with more of the day-to-day activities of the station, um, any equipment failures that happen, um, long, long-term strategies that we have to put in place to keep our equipment reliability up and any emergent work that comes in. Um, that's what I kind of do. I don't know if that's good enough. That's awesome. <laughs> 
so to uh, to start with what i'm doing presently i'm um, basically the program manager for uh, the research and development uh, which the the group division which deals with industry standard tool sets so basically industry standard tool set uh, consists of computer codes which are mainly used for safety analysis and you know used for by licensees for safety you know submissions and uh, so i manage that program uh, wherein there are you know can do operating stations which are members and in addition to other you know other members who join in and you know we maintain and support qualification of computer codes uh, you know making it more cost effective and you know more efficient uh so my role is obviously an innovation catalyst at NPX, uh, but that means so much more to me. It's actually very close to home, literally, um, because I am the continuous online monitoring program manager. Uh, so helping Bruce Power establish their monitoring and diagnostic center. So that is specifically to improve equipment reliability. Um, another role slash title that I have here is probably a project manager helping develop the equipment and component health optimization tool, which ultimately will make my sister's job really easy. Um, and then the third uh, role that I have, I guess, is um, the data analytics work group uh, team lead right now. So using the data that we're, we're uh, getting from our equipment to make some informed predictive decisions uh, in the field, um, again, ultimately to, to improve equipment reliability. So everything I do, I think, is close to home. <laughs> I understand that I, um, I'm also the member relationship manager for the Nuclear uh, Power um, Corporation of India Limited, yeah. which which is one of the can you know pressurized heavy water reactor operating countries, and so I represent uh, you know COG. So when you guys all get together around the dinner table, are you talking about nuclear power and what you do? <laughs> Sometimes yes, um, you know I I I'm, I'm very interested to know what they do. Uh, and uh, especially, you know, Nev, you know, she comes with all this energy of what she's doing because, you know, where she works is something really, you know, innovative. And I think uh, that's something which, uh, you know, I wouldn't have seen in my career. I'm very frank to say that because, you know, I have worked uh, more than like 30 years now, you know, different, different organizations. I was a regulator in India. Then I worked in the design and safety analysis in Canada. And then again, I went to become a regulator in Canada and then I've come back into the industry. So, you know, for me, it's like the whole gamut is in front of me. But then I want to know what exactly are, are these young women, you know, as part of this organization trying to do. So it's very interesting, you know, to see their perspective. And with Namrata, it's been, uh, you know, she was a co-op before and, uh, and, uh, and she has, you know, the way she has expressed what she was doing, I mean, I, I, I felt that at times, you know, I learned quite a bit from what they were doing. And, you know, that sometimes are dinner talks. And uh, we do have our son-in-law also, you know, uh, talking about, yes. uh, uh, you know, he's also a nuclear engineer. So, you know, it, it is a talk where only my husband is left out. Yeah. I was going to say. He's a banker. <laughs> but then I think he says he understands nuclear better now. So I would hope so. I think from my dad's perspective, we probably talk about it too much. <laughs> and uh, he has a cat that he bonds with. <laughs> 
now. But uh, for us, when once we get going, I think yeah, it's kind of hard to stop us uh, yeah. over over dinner. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. I would yeah. love to listen in. <laughs> I, I'm curious, um, and Usha, I'll start with you. What drew you to nuclear power as like to to study it, and then also as a place where you wanted to have your career? So uh, going back, you know. Um, I studied uh, in an environment, uh, if uh, you all know, there is this uh, Baba Atomic Research Center. That's where it was, the uh, that was the pioneering uh, place where nuclear research started. In so, so in India. And I, I studied there uh, in that school, the Atomic Energy School. And uh, for me, um, I was exposed to nuclear, uh, you know, terms and words, I mean, the, the scientific research as kids we were you know given lectures by scientists and I have visited a few of the you know labs as part of the school tour so I, I, I kind of knew what it is all about uh, but I really didn't focus that I will get into nuclear because my interest was more though I liked physics a lot and chemistry and biology um, and I wanted to take up science there was no doubt that I would take up anything else so that was where I started off and uh, and I saw scientists, I saw engineers and, you know, I said, this is something which, uh, you know, I would like to take up as a profession, uh, you know, and uh, that and seeing them and, you know, what they're doing and the lab coats, that was the most interesting thing, you know, to see them wear the coats and those glasses. But I, I didn't end up being in that position, but it was like, you know, what you dream of as a kid. So and math and science has been... Um, actually, it was one of the you know su- subjects which my family, starting off with my mother, she apparently she was she scored hundred in math in, in, in her school, and you know it was a great thing. And she was the one who gave us the foundation of math. She would sit with us and do trigonometry, you know, you know problems. And both my brothers were you know also oriented towards science, and they both are engineers. So you know there was that bringing up in that environment which kind of led me to do my master's in nuclear and uh, when I joined the university this course was just starting up where they were trying to specialize nuclear physics with reactor as a subject and I was one of the only girls who took up this sub, this uh, you know degree in, in MSc with nuclear and with reactor wow. and uh, because I knew what it was, there was so I feel that environment kind of created the interest in me, and and I believe you know these two can talk to what the, what was theirs. Yeah. How was it at the time? Like as you said, you were one of the only women in the program. Like, how was in in India? Like how was the industry and and um, getting into nuclear power as a woman? Was there were there challenges? Or? So uh, to be very frank, um, there were. A f- there were very few women. I mean, the, the percentage of men, I, I feel even now, I think around 20% is just what the women represent, right? Yeah. So it was less. But then, uh, you know, the ones who would get into nuclear were considered to be the, the intelligent ones. And I, I still get that, you know, from people when you say you have your background is nuclear and, you know, they go, oh, oh, oh you're doing something great. And which is which is true. And uh, but as far as you know, men, the gender part of it, 
I never had that uh, feeling that I'm a woman. Though I was sometimes the only woman in an inspection team, going with a bunch of men and uh, having that broad mind, I never faced any um, gender inequality in my career. Uh, at least, in, I mean, I shouldn't I should say I didn't find it anywhere. I was always treated on par and I never considered myself as a woman. I always, you know, it was it was a subject which I know and I want to be the best in it. That's incredible. Um, I guess Niv and Amrata, do you guys, kind of thinking about your own trajectory, have you faced that or have you seen challenges in terms of like one, going through an engineering program and then in the industry as a woman? Um, so I actually did chemical engineering, not nuclear. Um, and there's, I would say, a better ratio of men and women it's i'd say it's 50 50 um within the nuclear industry itself yeah there's not really a lot of women um i haven't faced anything in like that i can think of but there's probably a lot of like hidden stuff that you don't realize day to day you know like i'm sure there's there's stuff that's come up or like that other people are aware of um that i'm not but in the station specifically, yeah, I would say like the percent of women is at less than 20, maybe like 5%, um, especially in engineering as well as a whole company. Uh, there's not really a lot, but I, I don't really see a discrepancy between the way men and women are treated. I mean, like you're there as a nuclear professional and that's your job. That's pretty much it. Yeah. It seems like uh, to me like the regulator and uh, definitely can do owners group is, does very well in terms of equality and representation of women in all parts of the organization uh, but like definitely in the industry there's still a way to go and I, I know Niv you've had uh, kind of a, you know you've worked both for uh, more of a construction um, environment and now now at our an NPX. Yeah I think starting from school uh, my year there were seven girls in first year and there were seven girls over the four years, like graduating. So for retention, uh, we, we did pretty good. <laughs> right. um, and a lot of whom I'm currently still, you know, working with, seeing uh, in the industry, really flourishing in their careers. Uh, so I'm super proud to say that some have actually left the industry to pursue their own endeavors, dreams. Um, uh, so there was about seven for 150, I think. Wow. Uh, yeah. And this is I, nuclear engineering. Yes, that's yeah. right, at, at UIT. Um Coming from a nuclear construction background, I definitely have uh, some challenges that I, I think I, I went through. And um, at the end of the day, like, yeah, you know, you are a nuclear professional that, that um, you know, you're, you're bringing your knowledge and your skill set to the table. Uh, but there is a bit of a, a gender uh, bias, I think, in, in that particular part of our, our industry. And um at the end of the day, if you're humble and you have a willingness to learn, you can kind of overcome those uh, challenges or misconceptions that that people have uh, about you as a female engineer or, or just about you as an engineer, period. Um, so uh, I, I think a lot of it is just around awareness that it's happening and, uh, you know, how you're treating not just a female, but just an engineer or somebody that has technical knowledge to bring to the table. But um, and then the second part is, you know, acknowledging that it's happening and calling it out in in professional appropriate ways for sure i think one of the hardest things too is just getting women through that pipeline so that they they you know um get into engineering programs so i'm really curious did you ever think you'd have two daughters 
who were both engineers and in nuclear. And second part of the question, how did you support and inspire them? Uh, so I knew that they liked science, so math and science, that that was given. Like, Even in know, moments I, when we didn't know ourselves. <laughs> I, knew, I knew they, they had, they, they got their foundation and, you know, the, the way that they were solving problems, physics and things. And, you know, there was a little difference in the way the education system is here and in India. But I could see these two mold into that system very well. And, you know, their understanding and basics was was quite good so I, I I knew that but then I didn't know which uh, you know which branch they will get into um, especially with Nev it wasn't <laughs> clear I think both of them came to my workplace where I worked before and it was a kids to work uh, you know and, and, and I took both of them to see what what it is like you know though it wasn't uh, you know very impressive but they saw what it is like and and I wanted them to see it and see this is where, you know, if you go into this line, this is where you're going to be. And I, in the heart of heart, I wanted also them to be in the nuclear field because I knew there is lots we could do. Women can, you know, contribute a lot. And, uh, you know, just giving them that kind of, um, you know, framework that just, just be, uh, you know, try to pursue math and science and try to like what you're doing. You know, if you if you get that feeling from young age, it's an easy walk. But if you fear, even if there's a slight fear, that's where, you know, tendency of girls, I should say, is, okay, you know what, this is too tough. Because I, I have few friends uh, whose daughters, you know, would be scared of math. Like, you know, they would say, oh, math, no way are we going to do it. And, you know, I try to inculcate, no, no, it's easy. It's just you try to understand its nature, you know, this is how it works. You know, trying to bring in examples. But these two, um, I, I think it's because they saw me also, you know, doing things. And probably that's what encouraged them to get into this field. And I think they can speak for what... <laughs> I think to, to answer this question, I kind of have to answer your first question of how did I end up here. Right. And growing up, it's very similar to my mom's story of I just got used to the lingo of hearing can do in the house and hearing EC6 <laughs> and ACR and new build and, and you know, SDS1 and, and just that terminology naturally drew a curiosity for me without even me really knowing right, what right. it was. Like, I remember um, uh, going to take your kids to work day and to be honest, not really enjoying it because I just sat there and I looked at binders and I have personally taken on <laughs> the initiative. I went to take your kids to work day and the lab was really cool, but there was nobody there I could relate with. Like I just saw men again, you know, in it, like technicians. And I was like, that's not me. Like that doesn't look like me. I just can't see myself here. So even though I was uh like my environment was kind of all conducive for me to go into nuclear. I kind of fought it, actually. Yeah, you had to go rebellion. <laughs> yeah, and that's just my personality. I like to make it come to conclusions myself. Oh, yeah, Project. this is great. And she picked nuclear <laughs> It was like, pick your your uh, element of choice. And I just happened to pick U-235. And that's where I learned the benefits of nuclear energy for the environment. And no, unknowingly, I was like, this is kind of cool, actually. But I wouldn't admit that to anybody. <laughs> and, and especially yeah. your mom. Teacher, when I went for a parent-teacher meeting, yeah. 
he was praising her he called project. her the nuclear queen and she, he called her I mean he, this is a nuclear queen I'm like okay <laughs> and I was like nope I'm not going into nuclear I don't care what you say mom even up until grade 12 she was like I really think you're gonna enjoy this and I was like nope I'm going into energy systems engineering and then I applied and I did that for one semester and I ended up in an intro to nuclear physics course and loved it so much, mostly because of the passion that the professor that taught that course brought to the table. It made a huge difference. I was like, no, this is this is what I want to switch into because he brought ethics and he brought knowledge and he brought all the right reasons to go into nuclear. And um, and I, I loved that. And then I, I pretty much was like, OK, mom, you were right. <laughs> it was a hard pill to swallow but but here I am with you know like a a happy genuinely happy career in the nuclear industry I I love the industry and that's really what drives me every day amazing and Nam how did you f- uh get like did you have that rebellion or were you, was your past set um no I, I think it was like it kind of just fell into my lap um I didn't have a background in uh, nuclear engineering I did chemical so you could like my options were a lot more open. I could have gone into like pharmacy or food or oil and gas. Um, it just so happens that Ontario has a lot of nuclear power and um, nuclear power, like half of it is a conventional power plant. So it's like any other power plant. So they need chemical engineers. So yeah. Yeah. No, lots of chemical engineers in nuclear. And it's interesting if you were talking about that professor who in your intro to nuclear class who really inspired you. Um, I remember I got into the industry through a co-op placement and we would go and do uh, graduate recruitment at places like UOIT and the different universities. And just I remember um, our our lead for graduate recruitment uh, was also a technical director. And when he would describe the industry and just what we did and why it was important and the benefits, it was so inspiring to me. And it really just made me want to support the industry and have my career here. Um, and I think like there's such a gap in educating the sort of general public about nuclear and, and like there's so much to be passionate about, but, um, but, you know, if you're not connected to the industry, it can be hard to, for people to sort of understand the, the benefits. So I'm curious, do you guys as a family do a lot of advocating for nuclear power? Do you find that, you know, family get togethers or reunions, you're the perfect up? example is probably the false alarm at Pickering. Yes. Um, where <laughs> so in describe, our family chat, <laughs> oh my goodness, <laughs> it was like, why are you in this industry? What's going on? And we honestly, I think, used that as an opportunity opportunity to share our knowledge. And that is the only way I think, not the only way, but one of the best ways to advocate for nuclear and to share, uh, you know, your, the, your understanding of why some of the concerns that they have understandably from major events like Chernobyl and Fukushima and uh, Three Mile Island um, to, to kind of alleviate those concerns. So in a way, yes, it's not the greatest thing to happen for the industry, but it's a really good elevated conversation opportunity is really what it came down to. Yes. Uh, in fact, um, I had a, a friend who wrote to me, is it safe to live here anymore? <laughs> and I'm yeah. like, very safe. You know what? And, and, and I wrote a big email. And of course, you know, we had some communications passed on to us as part of COG too, sure. which helped me. And yeah, I passed it on to them and, you know, to tell them that, it, you know, this was just a false alarm and it's not a nuclear incident or an event. And of course, you know, Fukushima was also the prime time. And I remember that was the time, um, like, I, I was supposed to go to Japan 
sometime after that and you know there was a trip organized even to Fukushima and people were like oh you're going there it's going to be you know radiation and things like that. you know so we had to explain to them you know there are safety there are measures people you know we take and you know of course you know I've tried I mean can do design or the PSWR design is very close to me because you know I have li- I have I've worked only for that yes. industry yeah. and so for me that design is you know I I can talk like hours and hours about the design and how safe it is. Yeah. Actually, I would I think it would be worthwhile. Can you talk a little bit about why Candu is is this a safer design? So so Candu design, you know, if you you know, it's natural uranium and we have this uh, you know the whole moderator system which is you know the ultimate it's kind of the heat sink and inherently safe because if anything happens you know we have shutdown systems two shutdown systems you know fast acting you know which will stop a, a, a you know, fission reaction and uh, you know the design we have defense in depth various barriers and starting from the fuel pellet you know the pressure tubes calendria uh, containment and you know and and these are some of the features we have built into the reactor as part of the design and inherent features as i mentioned about the the moderator and uh, you know there are very few events which have really you know gone gone beyond design basis type of accidents so you know we are very proud that we we have that you know design which is working fine you know and there are actually you know not any major events so I think Kandu is a very safe design. Yeah. One thing that's always impressed me about especially the Canadian nuclear industry one is the the design of the reactors but also the culture of oh, safety yes. and safety. continuous improvement. Safety is prime and I think you know in Canada especially you know working with the regulator I have seen that you know that's the most important thing and and there's you know the whole thing about now I I read this lot of you know international of course international atomic energy agency you know the guidelines and you know what we follow and which is kind of harmonized with international communities you know and so I, i've been into those committees also where we have tried to bring you know can do aspects into those guidelines and to show that you know we have these features and we have these you know accidents analyzed and you know my area was risk assessment right. and to show that the numbers are very low you know be it an internal hazard be it an external hazard you know and that that's what i did i i did my that was my main main specialization i used to do probabilistic safety assessment of nuclear power plants very interesting so you know i i will claim can do is safe and, you know 10 to the power minus uh, you know 5 or for damage frequency uh, for the existing plans and you know i i say i say that we are, we are really safe yeah, yeah. no uh, well i guess nam you've been working at bruce power so can you talk a little bit about kind of the the culture there and and how yeah so um i was actually at a meeting the other day and one of the um senior uh i think he was a vp he mentioned something that it kind of resonated with me and he said safety is not a priority and at first when you hear that you're like what is he talking about um and he said cuz priorities change so safety is a value at Bruce Power um and that's just kind of what you see day to day like mm. week every day before we start any meetings we ask people to bring up a safety issue um there's like safety traffic lights that get sent out uh everyone's always aware and um it's kind of ingrained like right when you start that um like this isn't going to change and you have to consider this day to day so 
uh, anything you do, uh, like the first question you're probably going to be asked is, is it safe? So, yeah, yeah it's mm-hmm. I think from our perspective, Margaret, because we're not in the station, we're not designing just yet. We're not necessarily uh, directly impacting nuclear safety. But I think we as MPX definitely bring that safety culture to our work environment too yeah. when we're developing software tools and when we're even just our uh you know, internal meetings that we have where we're talking about fire protection today at our, at our meeting and where we're, we're holding each other accountable for uh, making sure that our office space is safe and, and really using those safe, uh, safe cultural values, bringing that into your day to day lives, I think, uh, is, is really where what we do as MPX and what I try to do. 100% agree. And I think that's something that's really unique to nuclear, like the mentality and how it permeates not just the workplace, but then I think we also bring that into our, yeah, like the take two mentality that I learned that, you know, from Bruce Power of just take, take two seconds to think about what you're doing and does it make sense? Is it going to affect anybody? Is it going to affect you? Like that makes a huge difference in, in just, driving from home to work you Absolutely. know what I mean like yeah yeah I'm also curious I want to kind of get your perspectives um about sort of the future of our industry um and where you you see things going I, I guess Nam, from you kind of the Bruce Power side we've kicked off refurbishment and yeah. sort of mm-hmm. how you see that um that sort of future path of life extension and then uh maybe from the cog perspective I'd be like curious to sort of understand what the research and development program looks like. And then if you can talk about our, our, cool our yes. <laughs> yeah. So, so we just started um, major component replacement um, in January and that's to extend the life of our operating units up until 2065, which is a long or 2064, sorry, which is a long time from now. Um, but we've been planning for that for years. So I think uh, from Bruce Power, we know that we're going to operate that long. And I think what we're trying to work on in parallel is, um, sure, we can get our equipment to last that long, but how can we make our lives easier and actually operating the plant and doing day-to-day stuff easier for us so that, you know, we ourselves can last you. that long. <laughs> so so in, in addition to just, like, replacing a bunch of components, we're looking at how can we make um, nuclear more modern and so so that's still a work in progress because there's a lot of stuff we have to simplify and um, kind of figure out how to to digitalize I guess is the right word um, so we're still talking about that I don't know if we have a clear path on that yet right now it's just kind of getting uh, MCR started and ready to go so in terms of uh, what COG is doing so you know COG um, I just, you know, recently we had a conversation with our, you know, president and he was saying that right now, you know, COG has built up like, you know, projects and all worth, like we have 85 million, you know, that's, that's a very good number for, you know, COG. It shows how much COG has, you know, come up and, and the face of COG has changed over time. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of research work going on. Um, in chemistry and materials, uh, there is the uh, health and safety and environment, uh, there is safety and licensing area, and, uh, you know, the, the project, the IST part of work, what I'm working on. So there's a lot of R&D projects, and the, the idea is to, you know, to ma- uh, maximize, you know, what's being done 
and being cost effective and so that the industry as a whole can use that and you know there are you know benefits to it you know for example extending the life of uh, pickering you know that's that's something which is a big achievement and uh, we all know that you know you know pickering is going to shut down but then dalington is getting refurbished bruce is getting refurbished there there's there's this future there is a lot of thing going on in addition to all this actually cog is now leading the smr that's a small module reactor technical forum and uh, there is a road map right now and i'm sure you know there is a lot of vendor design reviews happening uh, with the, the regulator and the regulatory framework is getting harmonized uh, internationally and i believe uh, the um, cnsc president uh, uh, dr rumina welshi she was at a conference and she was very excited to say that you know this is happening and uh, and I, i i feel what you know one of the things what she sta- said in that uh, conference was that you know there is a ch- we must you know share the research internationally and you know yeah. we must make sure it's it's available to everybody so that we all can move towards you know achieving what is the best safe reliable you know energy form which is what is needed now you know sustainable and make it safe and economical right yeah, so, yeah. and that was i think yeah. I, i read yeah. that speech yeah. that she made yeah. and it's so really it's, like it, that it, kind it, of collaboration it is empowering and yeah. it's very nice yeah. to you know see that this is where we are heading on yeah. to absolutely yeah, yeah. i think from an mpx perspective and just from my own perspective the future of nuclear in order to tackle some of the big climate change issues that we're facing globally uh nuclear needs to be a part of the mix um and i'm not saying put all your buckets into like or all your eggs into the nuclear bucket but it's definitely something that it's a mix exactly and it's got to be a balance just like anything else in life um to add on to my sister's point about uh you know digitalizing and transforming and bridging that innovation gap which i've heard you say margaret about what mpx does is exactly what my projects are are related to um so it's you know getting your eyes on the equipment using the industry best sensors on the equipment so the life lasts longer so that we're actually listening to what is the equipment telling us can we start predicting you know when we need to change uh uh the equipment itself or or if an imminent failure is approaching and all of that will ultimately benefit the safety quality cost of the nuclear industry in the future um in terms of making your life easier uh there's definitely ways you can simplify automate augment um uh, if if we can do that on our phones in our in our personal lives we can do that in nuclear no problem um that's just kind of the approach that i've been i've been taking of yeah let's make people's lives easier in nuclear like why do we go home and we have homes that are automated phones that are we can talk to but why can't we do that in our industry and that is where the future uh kind of has to has to head uh where you're leveraging data where you're using ai and ml to make informed decisions but you still have the you know um user knowledge to validate and understand the risks and and sometimes maybe even make different decisions than what what you're being told uh by the, by a computer um yeah that's that's where i think the where where i'm driving towards for the the future of nuclear 
think it's like a, it's such an exciting time in the industry because we've got life extension projects happening. There's so much opportunity now. And I think uh, a mindset in the industry of let's incorporate innovation. And then you have this emergence of SMR technology, which is really driving so much collaboration and then excitement of applications of nuclear beyond just the electrical grid, but other other um, areas. Um, but one thought I had, I was at a conference, an energy conference uh, out west last week, um, and there was very little talk about nuclear. Um, oh. we, uh, we sat in sessions, you know, talking about Canada's energy future that didn't have any nuclear representation. Wow. So one thing that, you know, we, we were talking about there, and I'd be curious to get your thoughts on is like, how do we, what, what message should we be telling about our industry? How can we, as nuclear families, as people in the industry, we know the benefits, we see the value, we believe in the technology, but how do we, how do we evangelize and spread that message beyond uh, beyond our, you know, our industry and and those who are close to us. I think I heard something that I'd like to share from, I can't remember if it was the CNA conference or the CNS conference where somebody said airplane, like the airplane industry has a lot of, you know, reliability and safety issues, but people still fly planes because they are sold the final destination. They're sold the experience. They're sold, you're going to go reunite with your family and enjoy, you know, peace and calm. I feel like from a nuclear PR perspective and a communications perspective, that's kind of what we need to move towards. We live in Bruce County. Like I live in Bruce County. My sister lives in Bruce County. And some of my favorite things about living here is the beach, is the, uh, you know, community, the close knit community. And a lot of that has to do with um, the fact that we have a nuclear power plant here. Everybody lives in this small town, uh, either knows about Bruce Power or knows about nuclear technology or is affected by it somehow. And then bringing this perspective of making nuclear personal is is really where I think we can um, we can showcase how uh, nuclear can make a difference in our in our lives without even knowing it. Like what I think is, you know, communication is the key. Like, you know, there are so many misconceptions and uh, there is a stigma around waste. Uh, you know, it's still there. I mean, we have tried to communicate through industry, you know, you know, different forums. But that stigma is still there. And, and that's something which we can go down to the root level of, you know, explaining. In schools, in, you know, you know places like where there's communities uh, and, and try to say that, you know, at the end of the day, these are the pros, these are the cons, but then the cons are not that bad as you think. You know, this is basically a man, you know, he uh, he wants his life to be the most important thing, right? And if you can do that communication properly, that's where, that's the key, according to me. And we are trying hard to, there are, you know, I think CNS forums, you know, the, the industry is trying to do, you know, pamphlets and things. But there's more to be done. There's more to be done. I think that's where, you know, we should focus on. Yeah. Um, I just think you need facts, like cold, hard, objective facts that get released to the public and that they can, they don't have to search documents for that you just release on a, I don't know, like annual basis about this is what we've done, this is what we do, and these are the numbers. Like, that's what would 
impress or like convince me so oh okay yeah well, that's well it's actually yeah. an interesting point you bring up because we were at this conference with the canadian nuclear association and they have their little fact book and people just loved it i remember bringing oh, home, home i bring home yeah, my fuel you know i still have and, mine and then we have it in our library <laughs> I have and, and you know and I, I like it that was that was, was very, like, this much produces and this and much this, like one pellet is equivalent to some 900 kilograms of coal yeah. and coal yeah, produces all huge. these greenhouses whereas we are you know safe we don't do that i mean yeah. that's that itself you can relate to right people yeah. are that's analytical by that, nature yeah. I, yeah. i think it's true and like once you they want they're curious they want to know about the technology and the benefits it's we have to be there to give them that especially that if we know it, know it yeah. like if we know the benefits if we know this the safe yeah exactly yeah. Um I also think our industry would be so much better off if we had more women, even more women in it. And I mean there are some wonderful female leaders, uh, the three of you obviously, but we you know, as you mentioned uh Romina Velshoes, the president of our our regulator, the CNSC. Um but so I'm curious, you know, I think you made a good point Niv, like you have to be able to see yourself in a role yeah. and, and obviously you guys had that through your mother exactly. which is wonderful but um curious like who were some of your role models and who are some current role models that you have yeah i would say probably like any professors i had in school um that were female those were always good um my mom and i had a couple of aunts who have math and science backgrounds um my friends like I saw what my friends liked and a lot of them were math and science nerds like me so mm-hmm. that helped. I don't think your role model necessarily has to be someone like like a CEO of a company or anything. It can be your peers too. And it can change evolve over time as well, right? As you meet you people. Um and I would say one was my professor who was at the university and when I came to Canada actually a few of my directors, you know, they um they saw something in me which i didn't see myself you know so that's something which i i think that at times we doubt ourselves and uh, you know those people who can see what what's you, what potential you have that that helped me a lot to you know grow and, and 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 put myself in positions where i thought i wouldn't be able to take up and that's helped me a lot yeah, yeah that mentorship piece mentorship is so piece huge is, is especially I mean for yeah. everyone but I think especially for women, women. when it, yes, you know yes. and women women are the most uh, you know I feel uh, another woman is the, the best supporter for a, an, another woman like you know that's that's very key to it because they, they relate to you and you know they know where you're coming from and that's where you you try to put uh, you know things into perspective and say like you know what this is what I faced or this is what you know you should go about that kind of mentorship and i'm sure you know with now with this women in nuclear and and we were all there yeah, when yeah. all those leaders <laughs> oh, yes, and last Romina, year <laughs> and you know they spoke yeah. the, so that was something you know uh, lori swami and yeah. you know we got a lot of messages from them that we are the ones who have to support women yeah, yeah. i think that's so yeah. like yeah. one is seeing women who have you know kind of have achieved like all different types of levels and different types of careers but then just that shared experience of what we gone through or go through or the challenges the common challenges um i guess i'm just curious like you guys all work in the nuclear industry engineers you have stressful jobs how do you balance it out how do you de-stress um you know 
find i i know nib has lots of uh, artistic and creative <laughs> hobbies and sports-based yeah. hobbies <laughs> i think for me uh sports is my biggest outlet i like to rage in sports <laughs> and that's why i got the most competitive award at mpx um that is just genuinely my outlet like i'm not I'm not necessarily competitive at work. Like, I'm very collaborative at work. But in sports, I feel like that is an appropriate outlet to be competitive in. So is Niv the most competitive in the family? Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, she is. Probably. Yeah. 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 Wait, in, in way. <laughs> I just don't see it. Um, but I've recently learned that I also really enjoy the more creative outlets as well. And I've always been that girl that popped off the heads of Barbie dolls and looked inside uh, and didn't really dress them. She, she never played with dolls. <laughs> yeah. So and I was like, that. why is this yeah. part hollow? And why is this part? But then I also really liked painting their nails too. Like, And so recently I've been exploring more of my artistic abilities through uh, like a not-for-profit that I co-created with another nuclear industry professional, like really strong uh, friend of mine called the Art and Soul Collective. And, and what it was, was I wanted to do arts and I wanted to do it with people that were like-minded and I wanted to contribute to a good cause. And that was enough for me to put the extra effort in to, to start that. Um, I think the third thing that I'm recently learning <laughs> is to actively say no to things because I can be very much a yes woman. <laughs> uh, and um, that comes from ambition, that comes from wanting to learn, that comes from wanting to be the best. But uh, that's not sustainable. That's not realistic. And I guess I've never been put in that place where I say no. Uh, and now I'm saying like, I have three things that I care about a lot. And these are the three things I'm going to do 110%. And anything else is a distraction for me at this point. Um, and that's been working well for my mental health and for my physical health. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, de-stressing um, uh, I should say that you know I, I try you know my, my aim is I, w I want to be happy so I, I get in the get up in the morning and that's what I would say to myself just be happy and you know make others happy around you so people tell me you're always smiling you know because I think that's that that gives you know a vibe to everybody too like you know to be you know to be happy I mean, you have difficulties. I mean, who doesn't have a baggage? Everybody has a baggage, and you don't. You don't have to, you know, bring it out, especially at workplace. I mean, that's where you have to be productive. You have to be showing your best. I mean, doing your best, uh, you know, and to achieve what you're you're supposed to. And I think I I, I take that always. And for me, um, spiritual, you know, I have spiritual uh, prayers and things which which help me. To you know, grow into you know person which which is more uh, who is more you know friendly and you know loving yes. and you know and service is something yeah, which absolutely. I like to do. So these things make me you know grounded and I you know I feel like I'm a human only. I'm, I'm not uh, you know I'm not a superwoman. Uh, at times it comes to a point where you you have to do things you know which is beyond your control. But then you you try to balance both women. And I think uh, overall, my family has been very supportive. So I think it's more balance at <laughs> home. And my husband is very supportive. And, you know, for my career, I should say, I came to Canada. These two, she was just two and a half years old. And I did the course at McMaster, which was offered by Unini. 
and you know it was not easy as a migrant you come with you know you don't have a car the winter is not you know but i think overall I, i'm happy where i am and where my kids are and and i think we should do more we, it's not enough you know we should be doing more for the community <laughs> yeah. so we are into com- i'm into community yeah. you know meetings and things like that too yeah. Yeah. wow i think yeah service is so important um i i just like to relax i think like <laughs> just so chill i don't have anything like just watch tv There's some cooking sometimes when i'm high strung i was like i just need to be around you <laughs> like i just need your vibes <laughs> like i don't really hang out with friends like <laughs> so that like yeah no i just i like to not talk about work when i'm not at work so that's my big deal so i don't really join the dinner table conversations <laughs> but um yeah just just relax like not think about anything you read a lot though yeah yeah i like yeah, reading she's an avid reader yeah uh reading pre- reading cooking and watching tv i would say are my three my grocery basket <laughs> would be always have a hidden book in it okay <laughs> now to now i've got to ask any book recommendations and i'll start with you <laughs> um so i'm reading i just finished um the alchemist oh wonderful i love that book it's a really good book uh i just finished um animal farm also a good book these are a lot of like old literature novels Uh Harry Potter if you want fantasy Lord of the Rings too I think is good. Um and right now I'm I or I'm going to start reading 1984 next. For me the secret. Yeah. I love that book and uh, I I don't read that much. I I I I read more, you know, nuclear engineering reports and yeah uh, reports and all that yeah. yeah i i read them. yeah those are my bulletins ie bulletins those are my that's, favorites that's what you're passionate yeah, yes, about that's yes, amazing yes. uh i recently just read a book called a thief in the night okay. and i finished it in six days which is a record for wow. me uh only because i did not read at all last year and now i have like a january february all the way to the end of 2020 one book a month uh and that's me putting pressure on myself but you know what i mean yeah, i have a few yeah. months where i'm not going to read uh and then the book that i'm reading right now is sapiens and oh, i just really yeah. love the psychology uh, like anthropology sociology aspect of how humans evolved to be where they are now um so those are my two books that i've read uh yeah and the next one i think i'm going to read is uh one that was given to me by a friend uh it's a, the surfer the saint and the ceo Okay. Uh yeah, so I don't know what it's about, I'll be honest, but it sounds cool. <laughs> It's an awesome. Uh, yeah. Great recommendations. Um okay, last question before we cap it off uh because Nemrata and Niv, you both live in Bruce County. So, favorite thing about Bruce County and life here and then chef favorite thing about visiting your daughters in Bruce County. <laughs> I'll go to the beach. Like 100% everything about the beach, volleyball at the beach, hanging out with my friends at the beach, swimming in the beach, sunset at the beach. Like I I could just be at the beach all year long even in the winter. I'll find myself I, I have I got really fortunate with the house that I have uh where it's literally a stone's throw away it's and amazing. if I sit on my couch I can see the beach except there's a tree in the way but that's <laughs> fine. Um 
it just calms me. Like that is what it comes down to. I feel calm. Like I feel one with the water and that's what calms me. And sometimes in the winter, it can be tough, like not having the beach accessible. I hear that. Uh, 100%, so yeah. Yeah. But that's what makes up for the like eagerly waiting for the summer yes. to come. You put up with the winters <laughs> and the winters are actually really nice too with uh, winter activities, but the beach. The summers are very epic yep. here. Yeah. I, I would say the beach as well. I, I don't think anyone would disagree. Um, I'd say the parties are fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, but that's great because I think people don't realize yeah. that there's like a quite a social, uh, social yeah. commu- active community for mm-hmm. young people. Yeah. And lots of things you wouldn't expect, like trivia night, for yeah, instance, yeah. or like, you know, big brother, big sister dancing with the stars yes, yeah. and just unusual event second city like that you know bringing them here and yeah like really flourishing cool activities happening yeah so for me actually i've come to bruce before these people oh (laughs) these people Uh, so well i liked i liked you know the lighthouse and the walk on the lake and you know the board and it was nice when i came as a visitor Uh, but now the things have changed a bit um i feel more like there's a home here and of course, uh, we love the summers here, and my husband and we love to walk on the in the lake uh, side, and uh, it's beautiful, serene actually. You know, in the evenings when you have that, and you you feel that uh, waves, you know, in the lake, um, and also I think uh, being a smaller community, you know, you, you feel that oneness. There are people are smiling at you, which is very rare in in a city like Toronto. Yes, absolutely. There's a hustle bustle, everybody's fast paced. So that's something which you know I get that here it is you know people are friendly and and, and I feel these two are happy here and you know they, and that's something which I I thought would not be the, the case. case. Yeah. Uh, you know that shows that this this place has really you know given that uh, you know vibe for them to be living nicely here and happily. I think one thing I will say is because I've worked at Darlington as well and at Pickering as well, what I miss dearly is my friends at Darlington and Pickering. But now it's like they have a home here. So every summer, every winter, like almost every season religiously, they will be there at least once right. in a month right. at my place because it's like their cottage yeah. for them now. Yeah. Um, so I like super blessed to, to just be in Bruce County. Yeah. I, I like you say the just the warmth and friendliness of people here and then the the natural beauty of the area. You just can't beat it. Yeah. Amazing. Well, I, we are so delighted that Niv is part of our team and I'm Aww. absolutely honored that uh, you both came to <laughs> join you. us on the podcast. Thank you for having us. <laughs> Thank you. I guess Thank in you. that competitive nature of mine, I have to ask, who's your favorite? <laughs> she always puts me on the spot and I'm not going to answer because I have to face it later. So <laughs> I'll tell you, my, my kids ask me this. <laughs> All of the time, and I tell them our, their, our favorite child is Taffy, our old English sheepdog. So. I mean, my, my favorite child is my cat. Yes, yes. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Yeah, I, I loved you both. So. This is about the and dad who loves you both. So. Yeah. <laughs> it's Nemo. Nemo's the favorite. Thanks for listening to the NPX Innovation Chatalist podcast. To hear the full podcast and to subscribe, you can go to Apple Podcasts, Google, or wherever podcasts are available.